Welcome to CityGraceNY.com. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at City Grace Church. So if you don't know, we have been going through the, the Gospel of Mark. We're going straight through the, through the first couple of chapters. And we've been looking at the ministry of Jesus, very specifically looking at his miraculous healings, his prophetic teachings. And this morning we actually come upon, I would say, one of the hardest sayings of Jesus in his entire ministry. Of course, Jesus has uh, a lot to say, a lot to preach about, a lot to teach about, and sometimes we reduce what Jesus has to say in terms of only understanding Jesus' love and his comfort and his compassion, but oftentimes missing out on some of the harder things, the more challenging things that Jesus has to say, particularly to those who call him Lord, to those who say they follow Jesus. So last week, if you were here, we learned that Jesus does talk about a sin that is unforgivable, unpardonable. And today, he has a very challenging word when he defines family. And I would say that Jesus, in talking about the kingdom of God, actually redefines family for each and every one of us. That all of us, because of our our culture, because of our life experiences, Right? We all have an idea of what family is supposed to be, and Jesus challenges that definition of family, and he actually redefines family for all of us. Family, we have um, somewhat of a probably conflicted relationship with our family, right? The holidays are upon us. We're, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. We're going to be celebrating Christmas, and generally that time of the year right, is the time where our families begin to come together. And for for some of us, it's a really celebratory time. It's a really happy and joyful time. And for all and for also some of us, it's perhaps the one of the most dreaded times of the year. Right? We have a conflicted relationship with our with our family members. George Burns, the comedian and the actor, he once said, "Happiness is is having a large, loving, caring, close knit family in another city." Right? Because, you know, we love our family, but sometimes our family drives us crazy. So, today, this morning, right, we see, again, how the gospel reshapes, redefines our understanding of family. Right? And family, for, for all of us, to some extent, right, we have an idea of what family should be and the ideal picture of what our family should be. And we compare the ideal picture of what our family should be, and we look at our own families and we see the dysfunction. We see the brokenness. So family, in, in, in the best sense of the word, right, we would say that family is the, the people who accept me and, and I accept them. Right? Family are the people who, who love me and the people whom I love. The people who will protect me and the people whom I will protect. The people who I will never leave and they would never leave me. And our idea of family, right, is shaped by our, our life experiences and is also shaped by our, our culture. And we see that Jesus, right, challenges our understanding of family no matter what culture we're a part of. And we all come from various cultures, right, meaning that we all come from various understandings of what family should be, what family should look like, how we should interact with family, how much we should love our families, And so, 
this morning, right, we see really how the gospel itself intentionally offends our understanding of family. It's actually offensive. It offends our sense of what's right and what's wrong, who's in and who's out. It's very challenging, and in fact, you might say that if you have not heard the offensive words of the gospel, then perhaps we have not heard the entire gospel itself. Because the words of Jesus pierce, they cut, and they divide. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying when he redefines family. So verse 33 says, Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Right? So Jesus right, is sitting there, is standing there with people seated around him, and his family members, we see in a couple of verses before, are standing off in the distance, basically wanting to take hold of Jesus. Because Jesus is about to speak, they have a sense of what Jesus is about to say, and his own mother and his brothers want him to shut up. The Greek word there is actually, they wanted to basically seize him and arrest him. Because they weren't ready to hear what Jesus had to say. So, with his, fa- with his biological family members standing a little far off in the distance, but not immediately around him, Jesus says, who, re- who are my real mother and brothers? Not his biological relatives standing over there, but the people that are sitting at his feet. So we see this morning that the, the family of God is both radically exclusive, but also radically inclusive. So at the very same time that Jesus is trying to redefine the family of God, he's saying that the family of God does exclude people, but the family of God also radically includes people. So the, the gospel ex- offends right, our sense of what it means to exclude people, and it offends our sense of who we should include. So Jesus, right, speaking as a Jewish man who grew up in a Jewish family, in a Jewish culture, right, grew up in a culture that highly valued the family, highly valued the family. The family spent an enormous amount of time together. The family itself was basically a a business working together. And so they spent time, holidays together. Everything about Jewish society in the first century was about family. Families, in perhaps in a slightly different way, in, in Western culture, family is not as highly valued, but rather in Western culture, the individual is more important. So whereas in non-Western culture, perhaps uh, for some of us in Asian cultures, family is really, really important. Honoring family members, honoring elders, very, very important. And so in Jesus' time, his culture, they highly valued family. It was so important to them. It was the, really the fundamental social structure that was absolutely essential both to society but also 
to their religious beliefs. So their understanding of what it meant to be God's chosen people was intricately tied into family itself, right? Because as God's chosen people, right, starting with Abraham, it multiplied through family. So for Jesus now to redefine what it means to understand family to his own Jewish family, to the Jewish culture at the time, was highly offensive, shocking. Like, how could Jesus say that to his own family members? How can he say to some other individuals not related to him that those people are his true mother and brothers? Now, my own four-year-old son, he throws quite a few temper tantrums. Most of the time, he's a very well-behaved kid, but every once in a while, he gets really, really angry. And there's been a couple of times where we've been really, really, he's been really, really angry at me, and he slams the door, right, barely four years old. He closes the door, slams the door, and he says, go, outside. You're not my daddy. Which... As you can imagine, it really did break my heart. But I have to remind myself, you know, he doesn't really understand what that means. He's, he's just really angry. He, he can't regulate his emotions. And so, you know, I try to take it with a grain of salt. But it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It, it hurts for your son to say, you're not my daddy. Hopefully, um, my seven-week-year-old daughter won't say the same thing to me, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. So loyalty, right, to family was highly important. And for Jesus, right, to declare someone else, his mother and brothers, right, let's not lose the shocking value of what Jesus was saying. Right? Break, the, break that family link. Declare someone else family. And the, the very basic social structure and religious structure for them was shattered. It's like, how can I understand who I am if, it's, if I'm not defined by my own family members? In essence, right, J- Jesus, right, was trying to break down the identity of the people that were coming after him, right? The people who were coming after him had their identity built into their families. If they didn't have their families, they would ask themselves, Who am I? Do I really have value? Do I really have worth? Who really loves me? Because in that society, and in many cultures still today, you can't answer those questions without your family. It's impossible. So, on what basis then does Jesus exclude people? Because we're saying that Gospel itself is radically exclusive. It doesn't include everybody. Everybody is not part of the family of God by Jesus' definition. And we see that Jesus, is, Jesus redefines family based on who is sitting at his feet and who is standing outside. Because back, back then, right, in Jewish culture, Jesus, right, teaching essentially as a Jewish rabbi, usually sat down on on low chairs, low seats, and as the rabbi was teaching, for people to follow that rabbi, they would need to 
sit down at the feet of the rabbi. Right? And sitting down at the feet of the rabbi meant that they were a disciple, that they followed the rabbi's teaching, that, that they called the rabbi, rabbi, that they would accept what the rabbi has to say to them. So Jesus' family, standing far off, right, communicated to Jesus that they would not accept what Jesus had to say to them, right, which is why they wanted to seize him, they wanted to arrest him, they wanted to stop him, and they wanted to shut him up. So Jesus does exclude people, and he excludes people based on whether or not they can sit at his feet. They can submit to him as rabbi and as Lord. So this is difficult to accept, right, particularly in the culture that we live in here in America, which is that we live in a society that is highly pluralistic, right, meaning that specifically in religions, right, we see a whole host and variety of religions. Some people claiming no religion at all. Some people claiming to follow Allah. Some people claiming to follow a whole host of variety of religions. And the idea that we live in right now is that all of these religions are equally true and no one should tell anyone else that what they believe is true or what they believe is false. Because you just can't do that. Because we live with a whole diversity of people and it seems almost disrespectful to tell someone else that what they believe can't possibly be true or perhaps doesn't line up with a, another one of their beliefs. So what we tend to do today is to simply believe that everybody's right. All religious beliefs are basically equal. We're all going to end up in the same place anyway, so there's really not much to quibble and disagree about. That's the culture and that's the general idea that we live in, except that's not what Jesus says, right? We want to believe that religion is simply just a private matter, that what he wants to believe is just his own personal belief, and he can believe that if he wants. And then this person over here, they believe in something else, and we should just accept that, and what they say is probably as equally as true as the other person. And let's be clear, especially Christians should be completely respectful and maintain the dignity of anyone else in society, no matter how much Christians might disagree with non-Christians. Let's be clear about that. But let's also be clear that what Jesus says and declares as truth, truth cannot be compatible with falsehood. That there are things that are true and there are things that are false. And what Jesus is saying is that the people who are able to attribute what Jesus says as true are the people that are part of God's family. And there are people who will refuse to sit at the feet of Jesus, who will say what Jesus says is false or perhaps on the same level as any other religious teacher, in which, me, in which case they are standing far off and which is the very basis in which Jesus is able to exclude other people. Luke chapter 12, verse 51 
says this, that Jesus, right, doesn't come to, just to bring peace. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Division. Right? We would like to think that Jesus, right, bringing restoration and wholeness to the entire world means that everyone becomes part of the family of God. Right? That when shalom is completely restored, that when the world is completely as it should be, we would in some ways expect that everyone would be included. And yet Jesus says that in order for the world to be completely restored, in order for redemption to be accomplished, Jesus brings division. Division even through the most integral, essential, functional part of society, which is family. So as hard as it may be to accept, right, Jesus is saying that in families, there will be some who will be a part of the family of God, and there will be some who will not be. That we will have friends, even very, very close friends, that will be a part of the family of God, and we will very likely have very close friends that are not part of the family of God. Which is why, of course, this is one of the hardest things for Jesus to say to his culture and to many cultures today. So Jesus' redefinition of the family of God, right, it offends in a, in a way, right, our, our inclusive sensibilities. We want to include as many people as possible. We want everyone to be a part of the family of God. And so Jesus offends us by saying the family of God is, by its very nature, exclusive. And people do get excluded based on the person of Jesus. Now, on the other hand, on the other hand, the gospel also offends our exclusive sensibilities, right? Meaning there is also a part of us that wants to exclude people, and the gospel says you can't do that. That actually there are many people who we would want to exclude from the family of God that Jesus says you need to include. So in Western Americanized culture, Right? Once again, the idea is that the, the individual is the most important part. That the individual's indiv accomplishments and achievements and one's individual life is the most important part of life. Not, not the relatives, so you don't have to live with your parents, you don't have to live near your family members, you, you want to live as far away as possible. And so, in a, in a highly individualized culture, Right? We tend to want to label people and separate people into ca different categories. And we want to separate and label people into different categories because it helps us learn how to define ourselves. So, for example, we might want to say that I am an American citizen, so therefore... I'm in. And that immigrant over there is not an American citizen, so that person there is out. I am 
perhaps a pretty good moral person. But the person over there who's incarcerated, that person is obviously a, a bad and evil person. Right? So we create these categories because it helps us feel better about ourselves and it very intentionally excludes other people from what we believe to be the, the good categories of, of society. So we want to naturally put people in boxes, put up walls, and say, don't come in because this is for us. This is our thing. And I will select and choose the people who belong in, into my group, and I will not accept anyone who wants to come into my group unless I say, you can come into my group. And most likely, that tends to be people that look like us, think like us, and act like us. Right? Because we tend to group into groups who are of similar interest, similar political persuasion, similar uh, personality types. And so these groups of, of similarity based on interests and likes and, and dislikes, right, we tend to either intentionally or unintentionally end up excluding people who should be included. So the gospel, right, challenges that notion because the gospel itself, we learn in the scriptures, right, brings in and includes people of every nation, of every tongue, and from in every part of the world, right? So you might say that the kingdom of God, the family of God, right, is essentially the most diverse group in the entire world. And if you don't like diversity, you probably won't like heaven, you won't like the family of God if you don't like and appreciate diversity. So we want to, right, build up walls in which we can divide people. The problem is, right, that the walls that we build up are man-made walls. We invent them. They're arbitrary. Jesus doesn't divide based on man-made definitions and man-made walls. Jesus does divide, but he divides only based on himself, right? Jesus excludes people, but only exclusion based on the person of Jesus Christ. Who is willing to sit at the foot of Jesus Christ? And who wants to stand off in the distance? Right? So, the gospel, ex right, offends, right, our own sense of including people and excluding people. So for, for me, growing up as a, as a Chinese American, I have both inclusive sensibilities and exclusive sensibilities. I grew up in a Chinese culture, but I grew up here in New York City, right? Which means I have both non-Western culture and values and beliefs, and I also have Western Americanized culture, value, and beliefs. So for me, Perhaps the gospel is doubly offensive. It offends both of my cultures. It, defends, it offends all of my identity. But the family of God, right, wanting by nature, wanting to build up walls, wanting to divide, right, is essentially pride, wanting to look down on certain people and saying that certain people aren't allowed to be part of the family of God. 
that certain types of people, perhaps we can't imagine how they could ever become a Christian, right? So if you can imagine in your own life, you probably have an idea of someone who could never be a Christian. Like that person, or like someone perhaps in, in middle school, perhaps you really disliked and you're like, oh my gosh, that person, that person would never be a Christian, right? Or someone coming from a certain ethnic background, you might say, oh, like I've never seen a Christian that's that's from that part of the world before, so therefore they can't be Christians. Some of you um, may have heard of the rapper Kanye West who recently made a profession of faith. Kanye West, right, as someone who, who's had a, perhaps a checkered past and has said some very controversial things in the past, has recently made a profession of faith and in his latest album, Jesus is King, Right? He writes very explicitly now about Jesus. So this is what Kanye says. That king of kings, lord of lords, all the things he has in store, from the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. You will never be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying. Jesus, save me. Now I'm sane. And I know, I know God is the force that picked me up. I know Christ is a fountain that filled my cup. Shocking for a mainstream rapper to rap about Jesus. Now, in, in college, I listened to Kanye in his first album, College Dropout. In college, I'd, I'd listened to a diversity of music. I listened to Josh Groban, I listened to Goo Goo Dolls, and I listened to Kanye West. Jesus walks with me. So when Kanye West made his profession of faith, right, there were a number of Christians who said, how in the world can this guy be a Christian? Like, is this... Legit, is this real? And sure, there's a, a healthy amount of, of skepticism one might have in seeing and understanding whether or not Kanye West is a true Christian. But there would probably be just as much skepticism when you heard about Saul turning into Paul. Just as much skepticism hearing about any Christian in the New Testament coming to Christ, right? Because anyone that comes to Christ has a checkered past, said some controversial things, done some things that they would rather leave at the door, right? So we want to very naturally say, this person can't possibly be a Christian. And yet the gospel says, no, anyone can be a Christian. Anyone can sit at the foot of Jesus. No matter what type of background, no matter what type of rapping, whether they're an American citizen or not an American citizen, right? The family of God we see is the most diverse group in the history of the world. And 2019, right, we see this becoming increasingly so in the church, right? The church is the family of God. So this quote is from uh, one of my former professors, Dr. Timothy Tennant, who studies the growth of Christianity around the world. And he said this, that the typical Christian is no longer an affluent white, British, Anglican male about 45 years old, but a poor, black, African Pentecostal woman about 25 years old. Right? So if you want to ask the question, who is a Christian, right? 
What do Christians look like around the world? What does Christianity look like across the globe? The answer is perhaps not what you would expect if your context is uh, living in America because Christianity, right, is a global religion, right? Unlike what most or what many people believe, Christianity is not a Western religion. Many people believe that Christianity is simply a Western religion developed out of Greco-Roman thought and, and therefore um, if they are not from a, a Western culture, that they would never become a Christian. Right? And yet Jesus once again says that anybody can become his mother and his brothers. Anyone can sit at the feet of Jesus because it is open to all and includes all. So Jesus' redefinition of the family of God, right? It offends both our wanting to exclude people and it offends our desire to want to include people, right? John Calvin admits that, and he says, that Jesus admits all of his disciples and all believers to the same honorable rank as if they were his nearest relatives, right? Jesus admits all of his disciples, all of his believers to the same honorable rank, as if they were his nearest relatives. No matter what background you're from, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel about yourself, the gospel is you can become the nearest relative of Jesus. Right, so some questions for us. What, what walls have we built up to exclude people who Jesus wants to include? People that we know that are perhaps closest friends, perhaps even family members, who we want to say there's no way that they could become part of our family. There's no way that they would come to believe in Jesus. And so we write them off. Right? And then on the other hand, who are the people who we want to say they're they're gotta be they gotta be a They've, they've been following Jesus for such a long time, but the question is, are they really sitting at the feet of Jesus? Are they really submitting to what he has to say and who he is? Because if they're not, then by Jesus' definition, he divides. And the diverse family that we are called to, to love here right now, the Church of Christ, right, is an increasingly diverse group of people who we become a part of and whom the gospel says, these are my beloved. These are the people with whom I'm well pleased. These are the people that I call mother and brothers. These are the people that I call family because anybody can become part of the family of God because of Jesus. Because the gospel is, right, that Jesus first himself had to be excluded from his own family on the cross in order for you to be included into God's family. That when Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus loses his relationship with the Father and the Spirit in that moment. Right? In essence, 
God looks at his son and says to his own son that he's out. He's out. Because that's the only way his blood would be poured, right? If he died, if he lost his relationship with the Father, if he lost his relationship with the Spirit. Jesus, right, had to be excluded. He had to be left out. He was left on the cross to bleed and to die. But he was left out on the cross so that people from every tribe and nation and tongue would be able to sit at the foot of Jesus, become his mother and his brothers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the hope that we have. Father, we, we, we know that there are so many people in this world who are considering who you are, debating whether or not they want to follow you with their lives, not sure if they can call you Father or not. God, may the spiritual reality of your family begin to break into our lives right now. May we see our brothers and sisters as truly our brothers and sisters. May we learn to love the people whom you call mother and brothers, the people who we might not know personally, might not even live and be on this continent. God, may we be in tune with how you have brought together your family. God, we pray that uh, our own family members, our own friends, would be able to listen to the words of Jesus and pray, God, that they would come to a saving knowledge of you and be able to sit at your feet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.